What's up, sons and daughters? This is Sam Jesse. Uh, just a little heads up about this podcast. The audio quality is not quite as good as it has been. Uh, just some technical difficulties and people moving around. But next week, we will be having much better audio quality and even some video quality for the Locks of Saturday podcast over on the Sons of Saturday YouTube channel. So be sure to check that out if you're a YouTuber. If that's how you like to consume your media, we will have it up there as well. And still, of course, have the audio on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, wherever you get your podcast. Just a heads up, though, before you start this one, go Hokies. What's up, sons and daughters? This is Sam Jesse. I'm back with the crew from the Locks of Saturday. Brett, Chris, and Robert are with me. And tonight, fellas, we have we're we're doing a little different things. We do have four games that we are going to cover, but week three in college football tends to be kind of the slower week around. You have a few really good non-conference games and then some not great ones. So we're gonna cover four big games across the country, and then we're gonna look at some FBS versus FCS picks. There are some juicy matchups for this week, including the Hokies hosting the Terriers of Wofford in Lane Stadium at 11 a.m. on ACC Network. Chris, what will you be doing at 11 a.m. on Saturday? As much as I love our Hokies, I will not be paying attention one iota to this football game. I basically just want to see a box score that is just littered with uh, freshmen and third string uh, personnel on the depth chart getting meaning to me meaningful reps. And uh, unfortunately, uh, during the Fuente regime, that was not the case during FCS opponents. So guess what? I, I want this game to officially finally be over by the, the end of the first quarter. Let's go with that. So that's my expectation. That would be phenomenal. Would love to see some backups playing. Uh, early in this one. They deserve it. They're on scholarship. They deserve to get on the field. Uh, so starters need to do their job. Uh, we are going to go over our records for this because our jobs is to give you the best betting advice that we can. And quite honestly, Brett, Robert, Chris, we have not done so. Well, Chris has done pretty well. Uh, he is leading the pack so far at seven and four on the year. That's up five big games each week, plus his captain's choice games of the first two weeks. Brett, you're in second place at six and five. Yours truly in third at five and six. Robert at four and seven. And Ed, who is not with us tonight, at two and nine. Tough start to the season for Ed, but hey, we'll all bounce back. Rough first couple weeks. It starts now. 4-0 this week. That's all we got to do. And we're going to kick it off with a game that I feel like has been played every year for five or six years. And I think it's only the second time they played Penn State minus three traveling down to the Plains to Auburn, a game of two big, big programs that are kind of underachieving. But Penn State favored by three on the road at an SEC school. Robert, take us away for our first this, this is the last time, the last first CBS game, SEC on CBS game of the year. It will, there'll never be a first again. Wow. And they're just, I guess, giving us a sign of the future by throwing a, 
mediocre Big Ten school on it, huh? Yeah, I guess so. I would play the music, but copyright issues. Mm, yeah. But you all, you're all humming it in your head. Yes. Well, with this game, I I feel the exact same way that I felt about it last year when these two teams played, which is that neither of them are good at all. Uh, honestly, these two iterations of Penn State and Auburn may somehow both be worse than they were last year. Uh, Auburn looked absolutely awful last week, only beating San Jose State at home by six. Um, I think the key to the game here is Sean Clifford, quarterback for Penn State. He is average at best, maybe even below average. Um, but here's the thing. He's in his sixth year. It honestly seems like he has been at Penn State for like a decade now. He's Again, he's not that great, but he knows how to win on the road just because he is so old and he's such a veteran. Um, I was really impressed that first game of the year, um, that game-winning drive he had on the road in a hostile environment at Purdue to win that game. Like, And he hadn't played well, but that was a gutsy drive to win that game. Um, Penn State has struggled to run the ball, not just this year, but kind of just in recent years, really since uh, Saquon Barkley and Miles Sanders left. They've really struggled to run the ball. But I think they might have found something in Nick Singleton. Nick Singleton was the number one running back in the 2022 class, so he's a true freshman. And last week, he had 179 yards on just 10 carries. Um, he absolutely shredded that Ohio defense apart. He is explosive, um, has a good IQ. The only thing I don't like about him is he wears number 10, which is just an awful number for running backs to wear. That is a wide receiver number or a quarterback number. Um, but if he can find success against a tough running defense, I think that'll open up a lot for Clifford. Overall, I think Penn State is just a hair better of a team definitely with better coaching. Um, and then with a spread this small at three points, I'm not really worried about the points. So I'm going to take Penn State in the points. My score prediction is 24-20. Yeah, I'm with Irby here. I'm on Penn State and taking uh, eating the three points. Um, I just think that Auburn is with Harson is just not in a good place right now, where even if Penn State's lacking, at least I think culturally they're in a better spot than Franklin. I don't really think a home game matters to that Auburn team right now. Um, and the crazy thing is Auburn, I mean, Penn State's team is averaging less than 100 yards rushing a game, which is pretty crazy to think about. So they're letting Sean Clifford sling the ball. So, yeah, I mean, just letting Sean Clifford sling the ball will be, I think, the way they win the game, like you said, coming down to his play and his ability to be able to not turn a ball over and stay focused in a hostile environment that is uh, Auburn. So I'm with Penn State. I think, yeah, I just think Auburn's not in a good place. Yeah, I agree with both things you said, Robert. I'm, I'm shocked Penn State hasn't been able to run the ball as well since Saquon Barkley and Miles Sanders haven't been on campus. Uh, I have no idea why. <laughs> but um, when I look at this game, I I'm a little bit worried that Penn State is kind of riding the the talent momentum of their recruiting and stuff. And then when we see them play against big teams and big games, they don't really show up. Like you can you can tell there's something missing in their development of recruits that they're not showing up in big games. And think what you think about Auburn right now. Yes, their entire athletic department is a dumpster fire, but they're a really, really talented team. And I think they're going to be talented enough to win this game solely because it's at home in Auburn. There is no other metric. There is no measurement. 
There is no eye test. None of it matters. Auburn at home is a different animal. It's one of the best home field advantages in the country. Crazy things happen down there. And I'm going to feel like an idiot if there's a pretty even game and I take the road team traveling down to win that game. So I have no super fun stats for you. I have no uh, crazy analytics. Um, in fact, all of those point to Penn State. The only thing I know is Jordan Air Stadium is an absolute terror for opposing teams. It doesn't matter how good or how bad. I'm going to go War Eagle, go with Auburn in this one. I'm going to ride the SEC team. Let me, I'll chime in again real quick. I'll just say, I meant to say this earlier, Penn State actually winning at Purdue the first game of the season was no slouch. And Purdue is, I mean, that's, I mean it might not be Auburn, but I mean, those people freaking love football. So That's a tough have, place to win in any circumstance. To win. I will say Purdue should have won that game. Yeah, but I mean, the fact, but they, yeah, I mean, that's true, but. But they didn't, but they Penn did State, you're right. Yeah, Penn State's at least experienced has been exposed to just a hostile environment this year and came out with a win. So I think, I think this game is a toss up, but I'll, but I've won Penn state. So I'll divert to Chris. Well, Brett, you kind of just hit the narrative right there for me. This game is a toss up. And with that, to me, I'm going to pick the home dog in a narrow, I would consider to be metrically based matchup here. So even though let's kind of wind this back a little bit. When this line first came out, I expected just to have a slight tilt towards Auburn with kind of both teams being what we alluded to for the last few seasons, kind of, you know, lackluster, not necessarily uh, kind of doing what we think they should be doing based off of their recruiting prowess. Because, I mean, yeah, Penn State's been good as of recent, but it's not like Auburn has been a slouch at all either. They both have, I would consider to be top and level uh, program talent across the board for each who, you know, probably haven't developed them consistently uh, as well. So what does that really mean? Well, you kind of weed through all of the, you know, inconsistencies and everything or Harson over here with uh, the fact that he doesn't seem like he's long for being at Auburn. And you kind of just, what what is the real advantage? What does the matchup really present to you? And to me, it's Auburn SEC team at home on the plains at night as an home underdog. And to me, that is significantly more valuable than taking Penn State, an inconsistent road team, to win in that type of environment when we know them to be just that, very inconsistent. And the fact that I have to rely on Sean Clifford winning this game on the road, which, Herbie, you said, if he is the key to the matchup, that is a very lackluster key to the game. He is he's the definition of average. Um, and so I, I, I also didn't have a lot of, let's call them like track record type one, because you can't really base Harson's record because he's only been there and this is his third full season. Um, so I didn't really have much to kind of base Auburn's record at home in this game to show you how valuable they could be. But when I look at them in terms of a coin flip game, I've been pounding uh, the TARP narrative since week one. And when I look at it, Auburn is rated in terms of their valuable depth of developed players on their roster above Penn State. So that's kind of one check in the Auburn box right there. And then also, if you follow Bill Connolly on Twitter, and uh, if you do not, I encourage you because he provides that kind of week-to-week kind of matchup overlay. Uh, I believe he had this as a two-point game. He still had Penn State as a two-point winner in that matchup, but last time I checked in my math, uh, two is less than three, so I'm still getting more value on Auburn being a home underdog. And uh, and the last part is just 
I'm going to always take the points on a home underdog SEC team with a pedigree. Uh, and that team happens to have gotten rid of what I consider to be one of the biggest reasons that Auburn's been very inconsistent, and that's they no longer have Bo Nix. And so I will bet on the team that doesn't have Bo Nix anymore. So that's, to me, the, uh, the Auburn Tigers. This game is not going to be fun to watch. Um, I'm already waiting for it to just – I would consider it to be somewhere in the fourth quarter, and it's, it's probably going to look like a Big Ten West noon kickoff type of game. Um, they're going to say, oh, look at the defenses, but it's, it's literally just going to be somewhat bad football. I think both of these teams kind of look like a Big Ten West type program, um, but I do believe Auburn has a better run game and a better defense, uh, a testament for us taking their better defensive coordinator. Brent Pry was still the defensive coordinator at Penn State. I might take them on the road here, but uh, all things kind of being racked and rated there give me the value of taking the points at home for Auburn. Just a point. Oh, no, go, Brad. Go. I was chiming one more time. I know you were talking about how bad Bo Nix was and you're betting that he's not there. TJ Finley, I think, is worse. Like, I'm not even joking. Like, he is just – Yeah. Where is our still... boy D. Davis? He gone. He gone. Alabama State. <laughs> Alabama State. Man, oh, man. Um, so, don't think it's an upgrade over Bo Nix or TJ Finley, but betting against Bo Nix usually does pretty well, so. Well, I wish we would have learned that. Um during the Oregon Georgia game, but yeah, I digress. Um, and just bad. to point out, I mean, I picked it. That's that true. <laughs> worst, worst pick I think I've had on the show. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. This yeah. is not advocating for Finley. This is just the fact that I no longer have to worry about Bo Nix being the quarterback of the Auburn team in a big matchup. That that to me gives me at least some alleviation from my stress Ugh, of taking fair Auburn. Enough. Fair enough. To to illustrate how you can find stats to fit your narrative for pretty much any game. Here are some for Auburn. Auburn is one in six against the spread in their last seven games, yet they are 15 and five straight up in their last 20 games at home. They are one in four against the spread in their last five games against the Big Ten team, but they're 12 and one straight up in their last 13 games played in September. And then I can go, well, in week three, Auburn is only one in nine against the spread. So, you can find a number to fit your narrative however you want. Basically, in this game, you're just choosing which team's uniforms you like the most and sitting down and watching football because that's about all any of us can do with these two programs. But let's move on to our next game that hopefully will be more pleasing on the eye. And it is a big game, I think, not only for the University of Miami's football program, but also for the ACC as a whole, as Miami is five-point underdogs traveling to College Station to play Texas A&M. This game will kick off at 9 p.m. on ESPN with the over-under at 45. Um, and before I start and kick it over to Robert, I forgot to say that Penn State Auburn, 3.30 CBS, um, you know the time, you know the channel, over-under for that game is 47 and a half. So, Irby, can Miami carry the ACC flag down and get a big road win against Texas A&M? Well, let me preface what I'm about to say by pointing out that the U is still not back. However, I'm making this pick solely based on how little I think of Texas A&M. Um, so I like Miami in the points, and also I like them outright. I think Miami goes on the road and wins this game. Um, I'm not, again, I'm not 100% bought into the Miami hype quite yet. Like I think this could still end in a, seven and five or eight and four season for Miami. 
But if Texas A&M's offense continues on this absolutely horrific trajectory, this will be an easy Miami win. So we have to keep in mind that Texas A&M scored 14 points and had 186, 186 total yards against an Appalachian State defense that had just given up 63 points and 569 yards the week before to UNC. Uh, Texas A&M's average drive length was less than five plays. It was 4.8 plays. So, I mean, they almost went three and out on every drive practically. Um, so if that's all the offense can do at home against an average, possibly even below average defense, it will only be worse against a well above average defense in Miami because I do like their defense a lot. Um, I think Van Dyke will be composed enough um, to handle the road pressure and get the win. I mean, yeah, so I think Miami wins this game and I get five points in the spread here. I, man, not only is this a lock, I'm I'm going to make up a new one here. This is the super lockinator 9,000. Just, it, I love it's it. gonna, it's gonna happen. Yes. I feel like Dr. Doofenshmirtz, but it's, it's gonna happen. Right. Are we keeping the train rolling for the U right now? I don't know. This one's pretty tough. People are also forgetting Miami looked pretty shaky against Southern Miss last week. I mean, they pulled it out in the fourth quarter. They wore Southern Miss down, but Van Dyke looked pretty darn bad for three quarters of that game against a, I'd say, bottom tier G5 team. So I kind of take that into consideration as well. Uh, I mean, this, granted, last year is different than this year, but uh, I mean, App State home in Miami last year too. So you got to kind of think about, you know, just this, the standard of play that App State's at, you know, is it? I mean, it's pretty shocking what Texas A&M did, but App State also, uh, obviously not as they're probably they're probably the best team in G five this year. I'd probably say, um, and better obviously than a lot of Power Five teams. But I mean, Haynes King is just bad. I mean, not the guy. I mean, they had the Cuban Missile and Calza and Calzada, Calzada. I mean, I'm not sure if he was much better, but. Uh, I think he's better than Haynes King. I mean, people thought when Haynes King was coming on board, they thought he was the savior pretty much. I mean, he wasn't going to be like some crazy good quarterback, but they thought he was going to be a lot, a hell of a lot better than what he is now. Um, and after seeing all these videos of what Texas A&M does pregame and the fact that they keep taking them down every time somebody posts it, I'm really starting to despise Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher. Like I'm really starting to despise them. I'm, really getting tired of people and I hope we stop comparing us to Texas A&M. Great. We're state schools. We both have a core. Awesome. You know, but um, no, Virginia Tech's alumni is not near as rich as Texas A&M. Well, yeah, not even well, discounting that, but I just mean, <laughs> there's no oil in Virginia. Unfortunately, there is none, none that we have found. I just, I don't know. This was hard because I'm not really bought into Miami either. And they've looked shaky also, but I just can't bet Texas A&M anymore after the videos I've seen of their pregame. And it's got to be the cringiest thing I've ever seen. I mean, I don't think it gets worse than that. For a program that big to, to be doing that, I just don't think. But their night, what do they call it? The midnight, what do they call it? The uh, It's the thing they do at midnight. I can't remember the night before the game. Anyway. Is it the uh, midnight yell? The midnight yell, yeah, which isn't really yelling. It's just some corny it's, dude it's some telling corny awful dude, like, jokes and people awkwardly laughing. 
well it's not even that it's like he's it's almost like he's not it's like he's talk rapping like he's like trying he's like doing disses it's like it's horrible i mean it's the worst thing ever so i'm gonna take miami in the points i don't like rooting for miami either but i think texas A&M, they're a bad bad place no apps App State might have killed that program for a year. Like, they might be killed for a year. Um, I think App State's a really good team, but there's no reason that Texas A&M should win that game by a few touchdowns. They looked really bad. And my biggest thing on this game is I don't think that – I don't think Texas A&M can score with Miami. Like, I think Miami might just outscore them in this game. A bad offensive night for Miami is probably going to look like – 24 to 28 points this year. That was last week. That was last week, essentially. That was last week. So last week they had a bad – they didn't look good. They still sort of 31. Southern Miss is a bad team. But, I mean, if if Miami scores 24, can Texas A&M score 24 against Miami's defense? I don't think that they can. And that's where I'm at right now. And, look, you're getting Miami plus five. The money line right now is plus 175. I think the money line is a really good value, but if you want to play it safe and you're playing a big ticket, I think plus five should be one of your bigger bets to put some units on because you're getting it at the minus 110 price. It's not something crazy. And if this is a field goal game, maybe four point game, that that's really good for you here. Um, talent wise, Miami's probably one of the few teams that can match up with Texas A&M. Yeah, it's a tough place to play, but obviously not for App State. And Miami's got the quarterback. They got the defense. Offensive line is allegedly better. Um, I, I think you roll with the Canes here. And if they pull off this win, or which would be a technical upset, I think it could be a really big, big game for the ACC and Co- probably coaching kill is Texas too. A&M season. Yeah. Co- coaching is way better too at Crystal Ball. I mean, they've yeah. more discipline than just... I, I would I would say over the last five years, Crystal Ball is a better coach than Jimbo Fisher. I'm very scared yeah, from an ACC standpoint. Just throw that out there. Sam, I'm in agreement. Miami plus five and a half. I feel like this is the ultimate value. And uh, Brett, just to kind of make sure we're all understanding this, Miami played pretty vanilla versus Southern Miss because they were looking ahead to this Texas A&M game. They've been preparing for Texas A&M for probably two solid weeks. And my guess is they knew that this was going to be the, you know, caveat to launch their program into a much higher national kind of narrative here. Uh, But going into the season, I had Miami pretty early recognized in terms of high, I would consider returning value of the production on the field. And that same production, as Brett just alluded to, has been coached by, I would consider to be a considerably improved staff across the board. It's not just Cristobal. They got, you know, Josh Gaddis coming back, coming over from Michigan as offensive coordinator. And then they had uh, defensive coordinator Kevin Steele as well on both sides of the football. So considerable improvements across the board from coordinators and position coaches from top to bottom. And all of that returning production value has been coached by the staff for the last, what is it, nine, uh, nine plus months. Um, so that's why I was really, you know, this isn't going to, potentially be the same Miami program that falls flat after coming up to a, a, a significant, like what, like a two or three, and zero start against you know, cupcake type opponents. Um, so, you know, just the narrative this week, you know, everyone's pointing to the, you know, the Jimbo Fisher offense, you know, he hasn't, you know, revitalized it probably in almost a decade. 
Um, the shortcomings of Haynes King, yeah, he's not that great. And combined with Jimbo Fisher's offense, it leads to a pretty poor product on the field in terms of offense. But I want to focus more on the defense of Texas A&M. So the narrative that Texas A&M was really good on defense was because they had, uh, was it uh, Leal last year on the defensive line, and they basically bought and paid for every single five-star defensive lineman recruit in the country. But, you know, those people aren't playing right now in year one, or at least if they are, they're not contributing at a high level because year one defensive line recruit, even if you are five-star, you don't necessarily make that immediate impact. It's not an immediate impact type position. That's more year two, maybe even year three. Uh, but looking at closer uh, of the returning production they have on the defensive line, like I'll keep on, like I said, uh, the TARP metric, you know, they had a minus two and a half rating in terms of defensive returning production and value for Texas A&M's defense. And then I was like, wait a minute, they lost Mike Elko, their defensive coordinator from last year. So not, I'm, I'm getting significantly reduced defensive value, specifically with rushing defense. And that was pretty much evident on the field because App State rushed for over 200 yards on the road against Texas A&M to pull off the upset. Um, and then I looked at simple rating systems across the board. The Aggies are currently ranked 77th, 77th right now in terms of defensive SRS. And then if you filter that same score by just defensive rushing score, the Aggies are 57th overall, which uh, does not seem very good. And then you parlay that with the fact that, you know, Miami can pass, but it can run the football pretty well too. And I feel like that's going to be the case on Saturday. Um, uh, quick uh, anecdote. Uh, that 77th ranking in SRS makes Texas A&M officially a top five Texas program. So congratulations to the Texas A&M Aggies. You're a top five team in the state of Texas. A little golf clap for them. Uh, but um, looking at this initial line, I, I saw it at five and a half. I was actually kind of surprised um, because with the significant loss update, I guess people are assuming that Texas A&M would just rebound after a humiliating loss. Uh, but, you know, the value of five and a half it seems like the national narrative is not only just painting kind of what brett alluded to against texas a&m not only just Jimbo fisher but just as a school and i feel like this five and a half line will probably come down uh kind of taking the value away from miami at this point so not only am i favoring them at five and a half i'm, I'm rushing to grab that point spread because i feel like it's going to be reduced over the course of the week so i might not like them as much at maybe like plus three or so if it works its way down that way, but definitely at five and a half, the significant bad for all the reasons I said, I'm taking the hurricanes. The NFL's opening week was action packed and is just getting started. Get ready for week two of touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins with the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. Want more action? Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings early win promotion. It's simple. This Sunday, bet on any NFL team to win. If your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. That's right. As long as they are up by 10 at any point in the game, you get paid instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code SOS to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code SOS, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Please see the show note for details. Well, keeping it in the ACC, this one in ACC territory in Raleigh, North Carolina, where we have an interesting 
non-conference matchup between Texas Tech, who is a 10-point underdog traveling to NC State. The Wolfpack, very hyped up this season. They've taken care of business in their first two weeks, and now comes a real test against a Texas Tech team that was able to hold on at home last week against Houston. This game will be at 7 o'clock on ESPN. The over-under is set at 55 and a half. Robert, we've been tooting the horn of NC State for a while now. We said maybe hold the brakes this season, but they still look like a really good team. Texas Tech backed up quarterback will be playing in this game, but he looked really good against Houston last week. Yeah, I I did have fun watching him a lot. Um, so we, and by we, I usually mean like Brett and myself, uh, we often teeter, I guess, between going based off of stats and based off of vibes, right? Am I right? Yeah. Um, yes, sorry. Exclusively yeah. vibes this week. To be yeah, quite yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, this pick is mostly vibes. I just got to say, um, I thought that Texas Tech's win over Houston, like Sam mentioned, I thought that that was an enormous win um, for the program. You know, for the first year of their new head coach. I mean, that is that is an enormous win to have overtime at home against a future conference opponent, basically. Um, and honestly, I'm still not feeling great about NC State. Um, after that ECU game week one, um, I know they just beat the brakes off of Charleston Southern, but that is an absolute garbage program, even for FCS standards. Um, so yeah, Donovan Smith, like Sam mentioned, may be their true quarterback of the future. Uh, he might even be better than Tyler Shuck, who was just out with an injury, but Donovan Smith might be a better option. So not only do I think that Texas Tech goes on the road and covers, much like Miami, I am picking them to win outright in Raleigh. That's right. Uh, they just seem like their team is in a better place right now. Um, just seem to be on a better trajectory. I, I still just feel uneasy about this NC State program. So those were the vibes. But wait, I also have stats. This is not just a vibes pick. This is stats as well. First stat, NC State's defense. Very good, but they don't defend running quarterbacks well, which is what Smith is. So both of their opponents this year their leading rusher have both been quarterbacks. Um, even, even the guy from um, NC, or ECU, what's his name? Uh, Ayler, Holton Ayler. He's not even a good runner, but he was still ECU's leading rusher running for like 48 yards. Um, and then you can even go back to last year. They have struggled with running quarterbacks. If you look at Sam Howell, he had 98 yards for two touchdowns against them in the last game of the regular season. Uh, Garrett Schrader from Syracuse, 70 yards and a touchdown. Sam Hartman, who's not even a runner, had 43 yards and a touchdown against them. And then Malik Cunningham, um, when they played Louisville the day before Halloween, had 76 yards. And those were all late October or later in the season. So this there is some recency here to these stats. Um, and so I think Smith can keep a defense honest with his legs like he did last week. Stat number two, Dave Dorn, head coach NC State. I still don't buy into it. And Dave Dorn is one in five in his career outright against non-ACC Power 5 teams. Two and six if you want to count Notre Dame. Um, but looking at just strictly Power 5 teams, not in the ACC, he is one in five in his career in those games. He does not coach those games well. This has home letdown written all over it, especially with Clemson ahead in two weeks. I think, I think this is a trap game for them, and they lose at home. 
Robert, the money line for Texas Tech right now is sitting at a hefty plus 295. Brett, are the Wolfpack on upset? I think potentially. I think they definitely are. Can we talk about how, what a color matchup this game is? Are you kidding That's me? That's the first thing I said. The literal first thing I said is we cannot have this much black and red on a football field. Yeah, goodness me. Looks like a freaking balance sheet. Um, but finance bros will like that one. <laughs> that was such a nerdy joke. I love it. <laughs> but uh, anyway, we – I think Tech Tech does have the potential to upset, but I think I'm definitely taking the points here with them. Uh, plus 10. I'm not sold on NC State either. Uh, they look really bad on against the ECU. We've, we've harped on that already. We've talked about that in that game, and we talked about the potential of ECU winning that game. They should have probably, at least, they should have gone to overtime at least. But anyway, um, I'm still not really sold on Devin Weir, to be completely honest. I mean, yeah, last week they beat the crap out of Charles Southern. He had like six total touchdowns. That's, you know, that's that's awesome. Good for you. But I'm just really not totally sold on him. I don't know why. I think he's just one of those just vanilla quarterbacks that just isn't anything special about him. Now, I think in the NFL, that's kind of what your usual quarterbacks are. They're, unless you have like a Kyler Murray or somebody like spectacular. It's like it's either you have one somebody that's spectacular like that or you have just a completely vanilla drop back quarterback. So and I think that's what Devin Leary is. And I think with a team of like Texas Tech, that's kind of firing on all cylinders right now. Plus, they they've got like a they're a big like obviously vibes factor to them right now. They're just and they have a lot of electric players, and they're obviously we talked about their quarterback. I just like Texas Tech with the points here. I'm not going to go as far to say that they're going to come away with a win, but I think the actual real play here that I'm super confident is the over. I think this game's going to go over. I think it's at 56. I think uh, I could see like a 35 like 42 to 28 or something for or well really 42 to 31 that seems about right or something like that but i think that texas tech can still cover the spread at 10 so i wouldn't be shocked to see the spread move quite a bit before this drop before the game starts i'm not sure which way but i think if people have a lot of people have their eye on this game just because um i think it's an interesting matchup because you have uh texas tech a team that's gone through a lot of attrition and changes in the last two years and then you have nc state that's kind of stayed steady so there's two 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 totally different vibes for both of these teams right now so i think you're going to see a lot of line changes until friday so it, it is a line that's moved it opened up at a nine and a half it went all the way up to 12 and then went back down to 10 so it has seen a lot of movement here early in the week we record this on a tuesday night by the way um it's one that's moved a lot. It's a tough game. I watched that Texas Tech-Houston game. It was a great game. Um, I was disappointed in Houston's offense. I thought Clayton Toon played pretty poorly, missed some open receivers. Um, to be honest, I think Texas Tech was kind of lucky to be in that game. Once the novelty of, of the running quarterback wore off and Houston caught up with that, the Texas Tech offense didn't really do much. So I think this is a game where NC State simply outscores Texas Tech. Um, I, I think it'll be close. It, it'll be one of those games that's closer than what the score indicates. Like it could be a touchdown game throughout the whole time. Then NC state scores one towards the end to make it a 14 point game and they cover the spread. That's what I'm seeing. And if I look at this game on some of the advanced metrics for it, uh, something Texas tech has not done well this year and something that I've, I've talked about kind of 
throughout the year. We talk about like expected points added per pass versus per rush. They're a really bad pass offense. And I I don't think they're going to be able to keep up in this game. They're not going to be able to run it that much. Um, I, I just don't. I, I don't see them right now. And another thing that Texas Tech really struggled to do against Houston, Houston made some mistakes on plays, um, but Texas Tech's defense is really bad at creating third and long. So they give up a first down on first and second down 77% of the time to start this season. So I think there's an ability here for NC State to kind of have sustained drives where they get kind of chunk play after chunk play after chunk play and maybe keep the crowd in this game early, get the momentum, and then, like I said, probably score late to cover this spread. So I'm going to go NC State minus 10. I agree with you. It is an upset spot, though. So if you are feeling Texas Tech in this game, I know 10 is a lot of points, but the better value I do think is on the money line in this game. So you're getting that at plus 295. It might be plus 300 by the time that you bet it. Because if NC State's going to falter, they're going to lose. Like, I don't think there's a world that this is a field goal game. I think if NC State falters here and they don't play up to snuff, Texas Tech might go in there and win. Yeah, that's awesome value. I mean, it's two power five teams, both undefeated playing each other, and you can get one of them for just under plus 300. Like, that, you have to take that value, even just a little bit. And Chris, I'm sure you're talking about this, but we've all been predicting at some point in this season, NC State's going to look like NC State. And this might be the week. This was one of the weeks circled on the calendar. I I had them on upset alert earlier on with my first captain's pick of the week at ECU. I did say that as a tasty money line because they were playing that game. And uh, I I think it's been uh, um, obviously talked about too in terms of just playing that noon kickoff at ECU was just a horrible way for NC State to kick off their season. Granted, they did get out of it. So they didn't, quote unquote, like we used to say, they're Clemsoning. They, they, they almost NC stated uh, on that game to kick off the season. But um, I, I'm in agreement here with Brett and Irby. Ten and a half points is just too much for me to take, uh, lay the points with NC State at home. Uh, good team. It, it was very tough for me to go against my tarp kind of significant gap here. So NC State does have the better returning production overall, pretty evenly distributed between offensive defense. They're a combined plus 10 and a half versus and Sumi Texas Tech is only at plus one. So they're they're they are the better returning production team um, overall. I, I just it was also for me to really pull a track record out from the Texas Tech coaching staff because they did turn over um, and it, it, basically just trying to get a background here so that I think uh, Joey McGuire as of like three years ago was like a Texas high school football coach. So this guy literally is just coming up to the pipelines of Texas football and he put together kind of a Texas staff. So if you're not familiar with Zach Kidley, he was a, uh, a former Cliff Kingsbury kind of protege on those Texas tech staffs. He does have some familiarity. Then he was with Houston Baptist in Western Kentucky, where it was basically just offense, offense, offense. You know, those teams are putting up like almost 45 plus points per game. Um, and that's kind of where they're at, too. So I think they're still kind of figuring that out. Uh, but McGuire and staff has his pedigree and his background has been on defense. So I think I, I can see where they're going. It's like have the defensive mentality defined from the coach, but this high powered offense. Granted, trying to get that done at Texas Tech and kind of being a, a third class citizen there in the in the Big 12. Um, maybe when Texas and Oklahoma finally they'll achieve that uh, kind of next level status there. But 
it, it I, I see a plan in place. I just don't know if I wanted, I, I didn't know if I wanted to take it in game three of the new regime, uh, but 10 and a half, it, it, to me, for me, when I was looking at this, what am I getting in terms of taking NC State as a favorite at home? And there's significant backlog there in terms of understanding what Dave Doran's record was, because I feel like Dave Doran's been at NC State now for the better part of a decade uh, since I think 2012. And there's a significant track record there as well. So NC State under Doran, 18 and 26, that's 40, barely under 41% as a home favorite. That's not good. Um, and then looking at them and their non-conference, granted, you know, non-conference should be inflated because you get some pretty significant lines that you have to cover against, you know, kind of quote unquote, your cupcakes. Um, and they're only 22 and 21. That's 51% against non-conference competition. So um, that's kind of a 50-50 cover percentage. Granted, that is, like I said, inflated because you might as like, you know, we talked about Alabama last week and some of their prominence and a lot of their non-conference, they're getting like, you know, 30 plus point spreads. To me, it's like NC State probably hasn't been getting like three touchdown spreads against them, including even including their their cupcake opponents, if you will. So I just the line being at 10 and a half is NC State just the pedigree of a program that is prone to covering non-conference games significant, excuse me, uh, uh, in this case against another power five opponent who at least has elements of strength to them. Um, I just don't see it. Uh, I do like the value on the straight up because I have a kind of an internal kind of meter. It's I don't like to take road dogs if I don't think they can win. Uh, I do believe Texas Tech has a roadmap here to win. Um, and if they avoided it, you know, maybe it's like uh, if you remember the, the movie Final Destination, they avoided uh, uh, the, the untimely death early on in the season. Maybe it just transitioned to week three. I have no idea. Maybe this is the week that it comes to be and all of a sudden they're sitting there and a light, you know, pull fixture kind of falls in them for some reason. But it, it, it's, it's out there. It's pending. Every single week we're going to be thinking, is this the week that NC State, NC States themselves? And this is, this is the type of matchup that makes a lot of sense for it because they are heavy favorites at home. If NC State was a movie, it would be Final Destination. And just like Final Destination, there's a new one every single year. So that does make a lot of sense. We're going to move on to our final big game of the week. This one, I think, is just another really juicy, fun, non-conference matchup that you don't see a lot. And hopefully, with the new playoff system and teams kind of needing to play some bigger non-conference games. We'll see even more of these home and homes. Uh, we are going to see Michigan State, the darlings of last season, plus three at Washington. This game will be at 7.30 on ABC. The over-under is set at 56 and a half. Robert, the Spartans are traveling to Seattle for this one. Can they keep the momentum going? Yeah, I'll be brief with this one. Um, don't have as much strong analysis here, but I am picking yet another road dog outright to win. It's my third one of four. I don't feel great about that, but I, I love all the picks. So uh, honestly, I don't really understand this line. Um, Michigan State seems to be, by all accounts, the better football team and that they have picked up right where they left off despite losing you know, such a talented running back in Kenneth Walker. Um, I do think that, you know, I, I don't know about Mel Tucker, I don't know if he was worth the, you know, hundred million dollars or however much they paid him, but you know, the way he recruits, especially out of the transfer portal, this team will always have a high floor because they will always have experienced talent on the roster. Um, 
And yeah, so they have picked up right where they left off. And also, I don't feel great about this being like the first real test for a first-year head coach in the war and a shaky at best quarterback in Michael Penix uh, for Washington. Yeah, I, this just has disaster written all over it. I can't understand Michigan State being a, a dog here, so give me Sparty. Yeah, I'll make it brief, too. I think uh, Michigan State does win this outright. Too much attrition with Washington right now. It's just a lot of uncertainty. I guess it's because it's a night game on the Puget Sound. Maybe that's they're just thinking that environment. But if I remember correctly last year, there was like zero people at Washington football games. Like it was like pretty absurd. Um, so for like what they're used to, I should say. So I'm just taking Sparty in the points. I think Mel Tucker is just they have a even though they've lost a lot, they have a consistent uh, team, more consistent team. Washington's going through a lot of attrition, and yeah, this line's a little confusing. But Vegas always knows something, so. I think this game might be closer than I might be led on to think because of what's going on with Washington, but I'm still going with Michigan State plus three, and I think they do win outright. This is a tough one because although I do think Michigan State's probably the better football team here, they are traveling across the country, and I think that counts for something. I mean, that's a really long trip to take as a college sports team, and uh, as you said, like, it's at Washington. That's a really tough place to play if those fans are going, and if they have the same group of fans that showed up to the Seahawks game last night, that's going to be a pretty tough place to play. I all offseason, I've been kind of selling Michigan State. And I, I do think that at some point, the whole transfer portal built team is going to fall apart for Michigan State. We saw it against Ohio State last week. I mean, last year, excuse me, where that team just looked horrendous um I, I have a feeling that we might see it this week and that Washington just might get that one big home win it's very similar to what the Auburn Penn State game was if you watch college football and you know how home environments work and you know how these games work no team is really perfect except for the top two or three and Michigan State to me just has too many too many issues the defense still is not great for Michigan State Neither team has really been tested to start the season. Washington played Portland State and Kent State. Michigan State played Western Michigan and Akron. So we really don't know much about either team so far this year. But what we do know is Michael Penix is playing really well for Washington. He's always been a quarterback where if he can stay healthy and he has some weapons around him, he can be a pretty darn good quarterback. So I'm going to go with the Huskies at home. I don't love this pick. I think it'll be a close game, though. And one of the reasons I think it'll be a really close game is just because of how well Washington has been able to not only pass the ball, but run the ball this year. They, they're top 20, uh, top 16, excuse me, an EPA per pass and per rush. Again, I understand the opponents that they've played have been pretty bad, but this is a team that's done both really well this season. And I think you're going to see a really good game in Seattle. And if Washington can get the home crowd going, they can get the momentum. Uh, I think they can win this game. So I'm going to go with the Huskies at home. My only real analysis is to kind of add on to what everyone said is, is to me, just, this is a bet the number game. I, I just basically just lined out strike through in terms of everything that I was seeing in terms of just the narrative of Michigan state, the narrative of Washington, because um, the fact that Michigan state on this line 
led me to believe that they are a plus three and a half. If they inverted it, they'd be a minus two and a half home, I guess, quote unquote, favorite in that point. And it just didn't make sense to me. So I had to do some digging and I couldn't find anything circa Vegas that would say that somehow Michigan State would be a slightly less favored home favorite against this Washington program. So it was a very odd line. I can't really understand it. And the only thing I could think about is they wanted to set it so where they would get action on um, Michigan State uh, because people would start pounding it. So I would be very curious to see what the betting activity is between Michigan State and Washington to start. Granted, it's still pretty early on in the week, but um, it, it's just very, very uh, like my, my, my hairs are standing up in the back of my neck because this is a very weird set line accordingly. But if I have to look at, let me set that aside and I'm just looking at my, my TARP metric, Michigan State, because they are very active in the portal, consistently has that returning and transfer asset type production on their, on their side. So they are actually slightly rated higher than Washington. So Michigan State's ranked at a plus six and a half metric, Washington plus four and a half. You know, so you look at that, and you think, okay, well, Michigan State, because they at least had last year at least one data point of being somewhat st more stable as a program, um, you know, they should at least be, if not favored, like this line should be maybe Washington minus one. Uh, so the fact that it's crept up and it actually started as Michigan State plus three and a half, um, I, I just couldn't find anything else really to justify it. So I, I, I said everything I signed, like I said, I just put the blinders on and just looked at the number and plus three and a half. That to me is the value here. I'm getting over a field goal. This probably will end up being a close game. I'm probably going to, you know, you can probably do that on like freezing cold takes. And it's going to end up being a blowout one way or the other. Uh, but I'm just, I'm, I'm taking the more proven commodity at this point. I do believe Kalen DeBoer is a solid head coach. Uh, he doesn't have Jake Hayner, um, but they, he did at Fresno State, who I thought he did a really good job at developing. Michael Penix, that's probably why he went there. I don't know if be able to get that, but this is only week three. Uh, granted, they're not necessarily facing a juggernaut uh, type defense, but hey, at the end of the day, if it takes an Ohio State program to show the flaws of Michigan State, that to me is more of an exception rather than the rule. I'm going to go ahead and take the fact that just overall Michigan State is a pretty solid program at this point. And I don't think in year one of Washington's new coaching staff, they should be as I think they're what the number 11 ranked program right now. They shouldn't be a three and a half point dog to Washington. That just seems very weird. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and take Sparty here. Bet the number you're getting over field goal and value. And I know it's college football, so we don't like close lines, but sometimes that's the way it shakes down. It'll be a fun game to watch. At least visually, you'll get the pictures of the of the yachts on the Puget Sound, and the stadium looks really pretty. Um, they're they're dub the the Husky will be on the sidelines. It'll be great. So hopefully, a fun game to watch at least. Our last game, we're going to talk about some of the FCS versus FBS matchups. And really, all right, Virginia Tech is playing Wofford this week. All right. The spread for this game is, quite frankly, if you can find it on a sports book, that's good for you. Um, Vegas Insiders currently has it at minus 38 Virginia Tech. Wofford has not scored a point this year against UT Chattanooga and Elon. This game is at 11 a.m. on ACC Network. I don't think there's a huge point about, I mean, there's no real point about talking about this game from a betting standpoint, right? I wouldn't take it. I mean, I, I wouldn't. 
Yeah, but the point total is like 47. So they're basically saying, all right, Wofford is going to score around a touchdown and then Tech's going to score like 47 points, like 30, 40 points. I just, I'm not sure I buy that. So, yeah, it's like fully, fully dependent on Virginia Tech whether the over hits, basically. Yeah. Agreed. And, you know, we're not going to talk about too much, but I'm going to list some games that are maybe ones to look at. Uh, Villanova plus 15 at Army. That's an interesting one. Really good program. Villanova. Um, one of the biggest spreads you will ever see. Arkansas Pine Bluff is 57 and a half point dogs at Oklahoma State. I don't know if Oklahoma State can score 58 points. I mean, that's just impressive from a, a time standpoint. That's almost a point a minute. That's pretty crazy right there. So if Arkansas Pine Bluff can just hold the ball for a few minutes, they could cover that spread. Um, one that I thought was surprisingly low that you might want to take, Missouri State, 23-point dogs at Arkansas. Um, if you're looking at a blowout game, that might be it. Uh, I would take Arkansas on that one pretty heavily. Jacksonville State, they did win on the road at Florida State last year. They are only nine-and-a-half-point dogs at Tulsa this year. Uh, Hokie fans will remember how bad Boston College looked last week against the Hokies. They are 31 and a half point favorites against Maine. Maine, normally a really good FCS program, a little bit down this year. Um, and then really the, the game that kind of spurred this conversation with us is North Dakota State, the Alabama of FCS. They are favored by one point at Arizona this week. An FCS team is favored on the road against a power five so is anyone on here feeling super confident about north dakota state minus one at arizona at two and oh arizona or what are they one and one they're one and one they lost to mississippi state but they beat san diego state is there no confidence i will say this that game is very late so very late at night. So the game kicks off at 11 p.m. on FS1. So crazy things happen after dark at pack the pack 12 after dark. <laughs> so I'm not confident. I mean, Arizona, what a disaster of program, honestly, the last few years. You know, it's tough. And then, you know, North Dakota State is so consistent. Um I'm going to go ahead and say it. If we talked about it before we started recording, I think North Dakota State is the softest athletic department in history. They pretty much just refuse to go to the FBS level for absolutely no reason, and they're just getting – they should just be getting hounded for it. I don't know why. I mean, JMU just made the jump. They should have made it with JMU, as I think Chris stated earlier uh, before the podcast. And a lot of other teams, have, when they start – or perennial, perennially dominating, they just make the jump, and North Dakota State just doesn't. So I think it's like the softest move ever. So I, I'm not confident. I want Arizona State to win because I just want people just to. I mean, not Arizona State, Arizona to win. I want them to win just because I hate the idea of North Dakota State just sticking in FCS. But I'm not confident in it. I'm not going to be betting this game, but I will be watching. Not going to be betting, but will be watching. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, Brett. Uh, Robert, I got to see. I got to see it for myself. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Is there one of these games that you're interested in that piques your interest, other than the Hokies? You know which one I really like, actually, and it's really weird. Duke, 
four-touchdown favorite over North Carolina A&T. Duke has looked really freaking good. I don't know if anybody's mm-hmm. actually watched them. Yeah. So they're basically saying that they're going to beat North Carolina A&T less than they're beating Temple. Temple is really freaking bad. I mean, they are the worst team, probably power five, but I don't think North Carolina A&T is any better than them. They're probably much, much worse, even against even Temple. So actually, Duke, 27.5 point favorites. I think they're Mike Elko's had that team. I mean, he's kind of looking pretty darn good, honestly, better than uh, most. And, all, and they're on a lot of lists right now. Teams like people are starting to call out their lists. They're teams that are better than everybody thought or teams that are worse than everybody thought and whatnot. And Duke's like kind of at the top of the list right now for the teams that are better. Duke and Syracuse, both teams that people, they've shocked a lot of people so far this year. So if, if they, the one person they did not shock, was yours truly over here had Duke, I believe by October, having the over under met at three and a half at four wins based off of the beginning part of the schedule. So they will be, I think we can at least agree on the fact three wins in. So they are right at their over under right at the beginning of the season, leaving the rest of the season to maybe shock one person. So I love that tasty over under right on the beginning of the season. Thank you, Duke for, for basically and not in this case, surprising a lot of people, but definitely coming out of nowhere, except, like I said, for yours truly, because, you know, that, that's the kind of value in the analysis that you get here on the locks Saturday. Yeah, so, I like, so I'll just wrap up. I like Duke, and I like Oregon State. There are only 13 half-point favorites of Montana State. Yeah, Montana State's a pretty tough program, but Oregon State good. has been pretty solid. Pretty good. Montana State was in the um, – made a really great run to the FCS title game last year, even with a ton of big injuries. But I like Oregon State right now, too. So I, I love Oregon State. We will get to them in a few. We will get to them next week. For yeah. sure, we will get to Oregon State USC next week, the Giant Slayer game. Um, personally, I like North Dakota State to win that game. I think Arizona is pretty bad. Um, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. Let's go into our special bets of the week. Robert, your free money bet of the week. Okay, so my free money bet of the week, I was between two options, actually, um, and I kind of couldn't decide, you know, sent a message to our Slack about it, only heard crickets. Um, <laughs> so We're busy people. We're busy people. That's what, what, I, I, <laughs> what I decided to do instead uh, is we're just going to parlay both of these because if they're both free money, then free money plus free money equals free money. So... Uh, the first one is, so make sure you get on this early because it's a Friday night game, Florida State and Louisville. I have absolutely no idea why Florida State is only a two and a half point favorite. Bingo. Love that. Unbe- like unbelievable. Like I, I will say has, they looked, Louisville looked much improved last week compared to week one. Well, that's what I was going to say though. It's like, I don't think that that win over UCF is really worth much. Like UCF kind of beat themselves and also has a wide receiver playing quarterback. Yeah. I um, missed that one. Like I think Louisville, I was surprised that they won, but I think that was more just if I didn't realize how bad UCF was. Um, whereas Florida state, I mean, I'm not fully buying into the hype, but I mean, they've looked a lot better. And if you look at PFF grades right now, um, and you have to take these team rankings with a complete grain of salt, especially this early in the season, like you can't, these are not gospel, but they do give you some sort of a litmus of where teams are. Florida State is graded out as the number six team and the number six team in the country right now, while Louisville is 112. And again, I don't believe that's actually how they're ranked, but that shows you Florida State is reaching their max capabilities right now. Florida or Louisville is not. 
And the other one I would parlay it with is Kansas State minus 14 and a half versus Tulane. Um, I think they cover that and then some. I think there are just some teams, and this is honestly an opportunity for me to gloat about my uh, how I how good I'm feeling about my Kansas State future bets. Um, there are just certain teams where the algorithms and the you know the calculations and the metrics don't seem that these sportsbook use don't seem to um, love a team enough, and they tend to overachieve. And I think Kansas State is one of those teams. They're two and zero against the spread this year, and have covered those two spreads by a combined 35 points. Um, so I think that they are, they are crushing the sports books right now. And I would keep that going, um, in Tulane. I mean, they look okay, but I don't feel great about it. So parlay those two, get a nice plus two fifty six out of it. Tulane's got sick uniforms though. Given that. Nice uniforms in the game. Brett, your nutty pick of the week. Uh, real quick, I'll make it snappy. Cause I've kind of, <laughs> I've been sticking with these under bets and these really bad teams. I'm two and oh on them right now. Betting rooting for the under is really not fun. The last week was pretty fun. Watching Iowa and Iowa State just suck at offense was honestly pretty comical. But uh, anyway, so I'm going Rutgers-Temple under 44 points. Um, Temple, I said, probably worst team in Power 5 this year, if not probably definitely bottom five. Uh, they scored zero points against Duke. I don't see them scoring more than 10 points against Rutgers, who probably has actually a better defense than Duke. And Rutgers has a worse offense than Duke as of right now so under 44 Rutgers Temple I think is the pick for this week for me Chris your captain's choice of the week all right so I had to do a little bit of refurbishing on what I mean by the captain's pick of the week because I thought I could maybe just take like a like a captain theme mascot and kind of double down on it and then of course my my Vandy Commodores pick uh, fell through last week so I, I had to kind of refurbish it and then I realized well who did I take in week one I took a pirate so I'm on to something in there. So you got to you got to lean into all the pirate uh, vibes here. So lesson learned. I'm sticking with the pirate theme, but instead of a mascot, I'm gonna go with the coach that just embodies the spirit of being an actual pirate who carries the nickname of the pirate. He decorates his office in pirate kind of decor, and that is Mike Leach at Mississippi State minus two at LSU in Death Valley. Listen, I said it in the beginning of the year when we picked all of our non-ACC over-unders on the year, and I love the fact that Mississippi State had a lot of value in the metrics that I identified early in terms of kind of being a little bit more of a surprise team than most people think of. When you think of Mississippi State football, you think of an 8-4, and 7-5-ish team that's kind of floundering at the bottom of the SEC West. And lo and behold, it's week three. And they've quietly kind of performed well above expectations in terms of where they're racking down metric. And what do I mean by that? So obviously I love the TARP metric. They're number one. They're number one in power five in that metric. Uh, and that's based off the fact that they have a lot of returning value on that program. SRS, the simple rating system, which basically is a conglomeration of multiple aggregate, you know, kind of how you're performing on offense, defense, pass and rush equivalently. They're number one right now. So they're number one in that as well. Uh, S&P plus, you know, they do have this as a one point game with Mississippi State favorite. It's a minus two line. To me, this is just more of do I think Mississippi State wins this game? If they do, I think it's by more than two points. Um, and then finally, you know, not only am I saying that Mississippi State is aligning with all of kind of the metrics that I value and they have a pirate coach, but also I feel like this line, I might hold off on it because I feel like the public is going to shift this to be LSU favored by the end of the week. 
But in this case, that's because Brian Kelly, I get to bet against Brian Kelly and bet on Mike Leach in the same game. And to me, that's an incredible value in and of itself. So Captain's Choice of the Week, Mississippi State minus two at Death Valley. All right, to wrap this thing up, my graveyard shift game, you need to stay up late for none other than the Utah Utes. Some people might have given up on them after the Florida game. I'm not giving up on them. They host San Diego State this weekend. This is a bad San Diego State team. They they lost a lot on defense. Offensively, they're still struggling, even with Braxton Burmeister, the former Hokie at quarterback. Uh, this is a San Diego State team that they played pretty poorly against a bad Arizona team that we have talked about before um, in that game. Burmeister only attempted 10 passes. That won't be enough. Utah's going to run all over them. Utah's a team that likes to really outscore teams. They scored 70-plus last week. Uh, they're going to score 50-plus this week probably. It's not going to be close. Give me the youth minus 21 and a half. You're going to have to stay up pretty late for that one. It will be on ESPN2 at 10 p.m. Eastern. Uh, the Utes also looking for some revenge in that game as well. That's going to do it for week three for the Locks of Saturday podcast. We'll be back next week as always. And you can also hit us up on Twitter at Locks of Saturday. And we'll also maybe hold some Twitter spaces, some fun things like that coming up here in the near future. So if you're interested in that, hit us up on Twitter. Robert, sign us off. Go Hokies. Isabella, I'm thinking it through Everything I gotta do Burdens on the blurry lines That they drew to make it right